This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenovic from Bloomberg Radio. Before the GameStop frenzy, which we've all been obsessed with, uh, we had the Bitcoin frenzy. And if you go back a month or more, we were regularly talking about the run-up in Bitcoin. It's up about 20% so far this year after gaining more than 300% last year. One of our listeners, Alexander, messaged me and said, you really need to be talking to our next guest. And uh, that was confirmed by our own Bloomberg Intelligence commodity strategist, Mike McGlone. So he joins us, our Mike McGlone. He's on the phone in Connecticut. He follows Bitcoin as well. And joining us right now, our guest is Michael Saylor, Chairman, CEO, and Founder of MicroStrategy, and uh, he joins us as well. So, Mike, Michael, both of you, great to have you here. Michael, um, we did see Bitcoin go above $40,000. You were buying last year. You are this year. Where are you in terms of your buying strategy? You know, How much of your balance sheet are you committing to it? Um, well, more than 100% because we're leveraged. We've, we've invested all of our free cash and we've uh, borrowed $650 million. So, I don't know, uh, 200% of our balance sheet, <laughs> something like that. But but uh, we're up about $1.2 billion since we started buying. So, so uh, we have a lot of Bitcoin. Um, in terms of our strategy... Uh, we were buying it at ten thousand. We were buying it at eleven thousand. We bought it at nineteen thousand, at twenty-one thousand, at thirty-one thousand. And just today, I announced to the world that we bought our last batch of ten million dollars worth at thirty-three thousand eight hundred. I think we'll be buying it forever. Forever. What? Where do you see we're it going? Keep buying. Well, yeah, we know. We know you like it. Um, where do you see the value going? We've had, you know, various guests come on and talk about a quarter of a million dollars. Where do you see it going? Well, look, I think Bitcoin is digital gold on the world's first digital monetary network. And so it represents a high yield savings account to consumers. And there's plenty of them that would like to get paid 200 percent tax free. It represents digital gold for institutions. And they've got a big problem. They need a safe haven. It represents a monetary network for Facebook and Google and Amazon investors. And it's a lifeboat for a billion people in the developing world that have currencies that are collapsing. So if you wonder, where's it going? Well, first, it's going to flip gold, which is going to take it to $500,000 a coin. Then it's going to start to it's going to start to attract capital from weaker safe haven assets like negative yielding sovereign debt low-yielding stock indexes, other types of metals and commodities, right, right. And, uh, and the like. Oh. And that, that'll take it up by another factor of 10. Mike McClone, you want to come, out, come on in on this conversation? Oh, yes. Well, Michael, um, thanks for coming on. The key thing that struck me about when I really heard what you were doing last summer, and you just nailed the media, and you covered it so well, is your, your sense of the history. So the, 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 the key question I really want to get out of, I think, from you today is how do you think future generations will look back upon you and us and what we're doing now in Bitcoin, um, say, 50, 100 years from now, or maybe even just 10 years from now? I think for 5,000 years, we had the gold standard, and that was a, a non-sovereign bearer instrument store of value. I think for 40 or 50 years, uh, we've, uh, we've drifted through the fiat standard, and we've been looking for a new anchor. And I think that Bitcoin is, go- is the emergent digital monetary protocol for moving money through time and space. And I think it's good for another 5,000 years, Mr. McGlone. I think, it's, <laughs> I think that 
50 years from now, people are going to say this was that transition period when the world figured out what a digital monetary network was and what a protocol for moving money around is, and they can't imagine a world without it. Michael, though, let me understand something, because what I keep hearing is though there's going to be a fixed supply. So how can it then become something on par? There's a fixed supply of gold as well. But can it be something that we really put on par with gold? And I'm just curious what your thesis is beside, you know, behind investing so much in, in one asset, essentially. Well, you know, people say fixed supply, but of course, what we're really talking about is 21 million coins infinitely divisible. They're divisible infinitely. So it's only fixed in the sense that the numbers 1 through 10 are fixed. You have the principles of mathematics or arithmetic and geometry. There's 360 degrees in a circle. That's a fixed supply. And uh, fixed supply applies to geometry, arithmetic, and conservation of energy and the laws of physics. Like there's a fixed supply of energy and you can't make or eliminate it. So it's not a limitation. In In fact, conservation of the laws of physics and energy are critical to the working of of electrical systems, pneumatic systems, hydraulic systems, every engineering system on the face of the earth. And so when right. people talk about fixed supply of Bitcoin, what they mean is this is a monetary network that works and doesn't right. leak. Listen, Michael, one thing that we've got to ask you about is risk. And um, what could go wrong here when it comes to Bitcoin? Is this a question for Michael McGlone or Michael Saylor? For Michael Saylor, for you. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I know, it's yeah. confusing. Yeah, um, well, I think that uh, most of the risk around Bitcoin is really just news FUD and regulatory FUD concerns about uh, how will various governments treat it and what will happen um, as governments normalize the regulation. They're putting some know-your-customer and anti-money laundering regs in place to normalize it compared to other assets. And sometimes people get a little bit skittish about it. But but ultimately, as it normalizes, that risk will go away. Um, Michael, Mike McGlone, um, how about any, uh, the question I've heard from other people is, this is a revolutionary technology. How about another technology improving upon it or replacing it? And that's from a person who's a markets guy, not really a tech, technology guy. Is, there, is that a risk? Do you, do you view that as a potential risk? Yeah, I think non-technologists sometimes think that. But what they don't understand is that it's a monetary protocol like TCPIP or like the English language. Mm-hmm. Like when everybody agrees to speak English, there might be a better language, but we're not replacing it. When we all agree to use inches and pounds, the metric system comes along, but it's really difficult to get people to replace it. And Bitcoin is a monetary protocol. All the innovations going on on the edge with companies like Square and PayPal and the underlying protocol has power because of the network effect. And the, and the network is not just a function of the hundred million plus people that use it. The other part of the network effect is Newtonian laws of gravity. When you have hundreds of billions of dollars of monetary energy on the network, there's no way that's moving. Once people decide what's the winning network, they're going to stick with it, just like we stick with Twitter and Facebook and Google and YouTube. It's incredibly powerful. And new technology, like a better YouTube, 
right. better Twitter isn't going to win. And everybody knows that they're not winning. We want the network that all of our friends use where all the money is. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, you know, I have someone tweeting at me, uh, Michael, and they're saying, I'm curious about all the people who have lost their mind Bitcoins. Lots of people have, have lost them, and a lot of them have been hoarded. So how do you factor that in, especially if you're thinking this, this could be something that is accepted you know, much more broadly and, and used more widely financially? You know, in the early days of the Internet, we didn't have Netscape browsers and web browsers, and people had to type the TCP IP addresses in by hand. And it was really difficult, and only the techies did it. But then along came Netscape, and it got really easy, and it became a consumer thing. So when people talk about losing their Bitcoin, it's like the early days when they're trying to do it all in machine code. You can also buy Bitcoin by owning a a share of Grayscale or, or you can actually buy it with one click on PayPal. That's like 10,000 times easier. And so there's a lot of ways to, to have Bitcoin. And the new ways are wrapped in consumer apps by Square and PayPal. People aren't losing their Bitcoin with those apps, right? It's mm. a different thing. It's, uh, and it's much simpler. Yeah. Well, one main question I have to ask you, Michael, is we're Americans. We deal with the reserve currency, the dollar, and it's still the reserve currency. How about the rest of the world doing something similar that you did with corporate treasuries? It seemed to me that's much more prudent um, for most of, the, most of the companies of the rest of the world that are not dollar-based, even those that aren't euro-based. I operate a business in Argentina, and I watched – and our business makes a lot of money – I watched the peso go from a peso to the dollar to two to a dollar to 10 to the dollar to 20 to the dollar to 40 to the dollar to 80 to the dollar to and now the black market rates 150 to the dollar. Now, our, our logical policy is we sweep all our pesos into dollars and we get them out of Argentine banks as soon as possible. But I've still lost millions of dollars in Argentina. So clearly, I think... I think it's common sense anywhere in the world you do business. If the currency is weakening or collapsing, you convert your local currency into a scarce asset. You know, if I'd known about Bitcoin uh, 20 years ago, I would have bought Bitcoin instead of losing all my money with the peso devalued. And, you know, two years ago, my lawyers came and said, the peso's devaluing again and there's capital controls. And I said, can we buy gold? They said, no, you can't get it through the airport. I said, can we buy a yacht and sail it from Argentina to the Caribbean? And they looked at me like I'm out of my mind. If I'd known about Bitcoin, I would have bought Bitcoin. All right. A hard asset. Hey, listen, uh, one thing we want to ask you about, um, you are hosting a Bitcoin conference, and it's a lot of leaders, executives, um, officers and directors and advisors of corporation. What is it about the conversation around Bitcoin, do you think, that has changed dramatically that tells you maybe about where it's going? And, and just got about a minute here. Yeah, uh, Bitcoin rotated from being a consumer leveraged, you know, strange digital asset to being an institutional safe haven store of value in the last 12 months. Every corporation with cash on the books has a liability as the money supply inflates by 15% a year. If they can flip it to a scarce asset like Bitcoin, it becomes an asset, not a liability. That's driving thousands of companies to want to do this. And that's, those are the people that will be at our conference tomorrow. All right. Interesting, interesting stuff. Is there anything that keeps you up at night over Bitcoin? Just got like 25 seconds here. 
I think it's 100% certain that I'm going to lose 75% of my value in cash instruments over the next 10 years. So, no, (laughs) I'm not kept up at night at all. I'm happy to have done it, and I I think that everybody can benefit from discovering Bitcoin as a store of value. Uh, All right. We're going to leave it on that note. Listen, Michael, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, Michael Saylor, Chairman, CEO, and Founder of MicroStrategy, joining us on the phone, and our own Mike McGlone. Pretty cool stuff, Mike. Oh, it's great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks to both of you. Mike McGlone. Thank you, Michael. Uh, also of uh, our Bloomberg Intelligence team. He's a commodity strategist and follows Bitcoin for us. 